And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm joined by the lovely and talented Miss E. How are you? More like the lovely and forgetful Miss E. That's okay. <laughs> this is take two of the podcast. We started having a conversation. We got a little sidetracked, but uh, I do appreciate you joining us. We are a couple days late. We try to tape on Thursday evenings, and then uh, the talented Chris Cruz at the Blaze always does a great job of getting it up in time for the weekend. But uh, this time around, Thursday night, we were having dinner with friends because it was our anniversary, and it was uh, great to uh, see Will and Beverly and their son and uh friday was my birthday and so then we just said well we're just gonna let the weekend go and then we'll uh, have one loaded up on uh, on monday right. so yeah. apologies for the slight delay the big news since we last spoke uh miss e's scan and the good news is that well i'll let you give the good news well the good news is that they are they're all stable but what all was, the tumors all the tumors so it means they haven't grown they're not shrinking but they haven't grown and uh, he even sat me down and opened up the scan and had them side by side and we looked at them all because so they they have an app that they send all your test results to and mm-hmm. and when I go into the doctors it's go in um, usually it's go get blood work done get my port accessed go for my doctor's visit um, if my labs are all good then I go for my immunotherapy visit so that's usually the normal state of things so they usually have all my labs. Um, oh, dear. So you were talking about the scan and the way they showed you the actual scan. Right. So what happened was, is the last time I had my scan, he said that the two stop spots that he was watching were stable. But when three days later, my app populated with the test results from the CT scan, the radiologist didn't seem to agree with him. Mm. So I had a little uh, come to Elaine moment with him when I went back uh, to the doctors in between time. And I said, hey, they said this and you said something else. And so this time around, he, he, he greeted me with, I even called the radiologist. We discussed it. We're both in agreement. And here, I want to show you. So, yes, they are all stable. So that is the good news. Um, not necessarily uh, bad news, but uh, just something that uh, was sort of a caution. Uh, your pancreas is acting kind of funny. So you actually couldn't do your... Well, we don't know therapy. if my pancreas is acting kind of funny. Okay. My lipase my levels, which are usually kind of just about borderline at the edge of what's acceptable, are twice as high as what they're supposed to be. And my amylase are also really high, which the amylase could be because there's something wrong with your pancreas. And the lipase could also indicate that there's something wrong with your pancreas, but I'm not having any of the other side effects that would indicate that there's something wrong with my pancreas. Okay. And the doctors seem to think it is a byproduct of the immunotherapy drug. Right. So I didn't have that when I was there this week. Yeah. So, the, so I at least got out of having that drug. But I am still doing my <laughs> chemotherapy um, oral medication every day. Okay. So we'll keep you up to date, but that is the uh, the latest. And we do appreciate everybody's thoughts and prayers and, and thinking about us. Uh, they are truly, truly appreciated. Yes, very much so. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, had a lovely anniversary. Um, as I said, got to go out with friends and uh, enjoy Farmville's finest restaurant, Charlie's <laughs> Waterfront Cafe. Yeah. Uh, Friday was a nice, quiet birthday. And then uh, as far as, you know, stuff around the farm. So I guess the big news is that we, we bought chicks. Yeah, we did get some chicks. We got Australorps. 
They're adorable. Yeah, by we the way. picked them out because they were the biggest ones at Tractor Supply, not because of yeah, anything. Free, other. free plug for Tractor Supply, by the way. Chick days going on now at Tractor Supply. But, Isn't that uh, a good Tractor Supply? Wouldn't you like to have us as like yeah. one of your official <laughs> uh, people you sponsor? Anyway, we figured these would be the biggest. They'd have the, the best chance of making it. So yeah, and, and just kind of threw them right out there with the chickens. And it's funny because as big as they are, and they are definitely probably I would say almost twice the size of like the newborn chicks, right. or the the chicks that were there. So we're thinking. I was thinking anyway. Okay, this is big enough. They're not going to be able to get through the fence. Now they hop right, they go right through, through the it. fence. But they go right back in again, though. So hopefully, if they just keep that going, it'll be the day that they can't get out because they'll be too big. And it, then it's been twenty-four hours, and so far we still have six chicks. Yep. So we're doing all right. Yep. Now what's interesting is we also are probably going to have, hopefully, some chicks hatch out here. Uh, in the not too distant future. Yeah, one of our we had Ida go broody and then her eggs disappeared, so we don't know what happened with that. But that's why everybody's on lockdown now, so everybody can be in one area and the gates can be shut. Um, but we had another chicken go broody because it's contagious sometimes. But it's really funny because it's a red sex link and everything I've read about them just has they just generally do not go broody they don't have like a motherly instinct whatsoever so yeah they're, they're well they're designed i mean they're, they're, they're just bred egg to layers. Be laying hens. yeah they're right. just bred to lay eggs so i really hope that she doesn't give up on them after she has them <laughs> because that'll be really sad because they'll have no one to teach them all the ins and outs of being a chicken because unless ida turns around and was like well, oh look babies well, they we must have be seen mine that before um the last time substitute that we had moms. chicks it was almost like two moms ended up taking over. There was one mom that had gone broody, but then two of the hens sort of divvied up. No? no. It seemed like they divvied up the, the little flock of hens. Maybe it was the last time Ida had babies. It was the time before that when we had, actually had the first time we had chickens hatch out successfully. We What happened was is we had two hens go broody on two different nests. Mm-hmm. And the one moms went for like four, four, four days maybe before the others. And so she already had babies, so that when hers all hatched, they all thought they were supposed to belong to the first mom. So the first mom got all the babies, and the second mom, who sat on about eight babies that hatched out, she didn't have any chicks. So those two, she ended up being like sub-mom, but she could still only get so close because mom, the one who was mom Uh first, thought they were all just hers. Okay. Because they were just, you know... They were all babies. Right. It was so weirdly funny. I was like, what happened to all your children? And then I'd realized that they were all under the one chicken, hiding okay. in every nook and cranny of her feathers. <laughs> That's why I love chickens. They're fun. They're uh, weird. Right? They're funny. Yeah. But they are, uh, they're really great entertainment. So, yeah, they're all in lockdown right now. They're inside the nice big chicken run, and we've got the chicken channel, which is like, you know, 80 feet long. They've got their good-sized chicken yard that's attached to the coop. But we've got two hens that we have locked up twice that we cannot figure out how they keep getting out but they keep getting out and it's just those two yeah the same must be two like every time secret it's Ida. spot and then who's the other one the other one is the one of the new newer the ones, newer ones right? with the with the with the bearded cheeks she's got the i don't know i was calling her one of the bearded lady one and two but. <laughs> that works we can call her bearded lady two uh and so yeah we you know again we, it's all fenced we even went in and put deer netting yeah, over the over top the yard, of the yard. And that's the, the fence is six feet tall. It's like I can stand up straight in the yard and I'm five, nine and a half. It, the, the netting just brushes my hair. So I don't know how she could get to a giant jump from ground that high up. The, I don't know. I, unless she's grappling. 
Maybe. Climbing up like a parrot. I mean, we have seen, we had one rooster, Eric the Red, that uh, was able to, to do that. Was He was able, able to jump from a, to right in front of the coop and jump onto the roof. Yeah. Which was a good, I don't know. At that point, it's probably. Four foot, five foot tall. Uh, right to that lip. Because yeah, it's shorter than about, us in the front. About five feet. Yeah. But it's just crazy that he was able to jump there. Like, right. what on earth? So, I'm not sure. Right now, they're just wandering around the yard. I found an egg that's basically in the front yard yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> they're just laying wherever. Uh, which, you know, can be kind of a problem because then you got rotten eggs, you know, uh, laying around your yard. You yeah. don't want that. So, we'll probably try to... We know where they're roosting at night. They're roosting on our back porch. Yeah. Um, so, we'll probably go back up again tonight, grab them after dark carry them upside down so they calm down yeah and then put them in the coop and who knows maybe the third time is the charm but uh maybe we should put a little camera out there and just you know, record <laughs> well where would i just, don't know where we would put the camera i don't I think, it, think i've checked the i've checked the bleh, i checked the big bottom run yeah i walked all the way around that the other chickens seem to be like just hey how do we get out of here like i, I guess we'd have to put it so it's pointing there's that, that one little spot you said, like, right in front of the coop where the deer netting doesn't touch. Yeah, There's a little but she'd have gap. to literally jump straight up but and then walk across be? the roof or the chicken wire but or the deer wire. But where else could it be? That's what I... Maybe I need to just pop a little <laughs> nail and hold the that against there. So I don't know. I started calling them the Hindinis. Right. Just because I can't figure out the little escape artists and, and where they're getting out. but uh, And they're not even little tiny chickens either. No, they're... I mean, they're... I have a decent-sized laying white... I think she's a white ostrilorp. So she's like a good solid six-pound chicken. It's not mm-hmm. like she can fit through tiny little spaces. I'm checking, and I was just like, no, 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 that's way too small. There's no way she can get through there. Right. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so one of the other things that we're going to do this week, uh, we didn't get it done this weekend, but we're halfway there because we got the seeds, is we're going to start planting stuff for fall. Yeah. Uh, so we decided we're going to, you know, we kind of this conversation of let's let's grow stuff that we know we're going to eat. Right. Right. Um, which is kind of what we done with our or what we did with our spring garden. We grew a ton of tomatoes, which we've been eating a lot of. Yep. Cucumbers that we pickled and ate yep. pretty much every one. Yep. Uh, and then the peppers didn't really take off, so we won't talk about that. And the beets, which and the carrots, which weren't great, but the goats, uh, the like goats the got carrots. them. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they, they did get eaten. And they ate they ate them from top to bottom. I know. So. Oh yeah, they loved them. So this fall we're gonna go with beans because green beans is a staple, right? So we've got a couple of varieties of bush beans that we're going to be growing. No, I think we only just got one. Yeah, we only got one. We weren't going to just in case we were. Just oh, that's right. Plant. We got snow peas as well. Yeah, we got snow peas or snow pea pods. We got a green bean. We got a we got a, and I think a spinach. Okay. So we'll just try those. And then I might be a little late in doing this. Probably should have started a couple of weeks ago. But we're going to try uh, Brussels sprouts. Mm. Uh, Brussels sprouts have a really long growing season, about a hundred days or so. But you don't want to pick them until after the first frost. They're right. they're sweeter once you pick them after the first or even the second frost. Okay. So, they can, so as long as we get good weather from now until then. Yeah. Well, the tomatoes here grow until November. The indeterminates. Right. Well, they grow going. until there's a frost. Right. And, and that's been in November. So. It was last year we had it actually. It was it was in mid-October. And then we warmed up again, uh, which kind of stunk. And with beds, we can put in some compost or some... Um, uh, mulch keep them warmer mm-hmm. around the, the base of the plants yeah 
So we've got the uh, the fall planting to do uh, at some point this week. We're going to stick with the raised beds, uh, which means we're kind of limited uh, in space right now. We've basically got one. What is that? A four by? It's about four by four. Four by four, and then three that are probably like two by two. Yeah. Uh, maybe three by three. I like three by three. Yeah. And uh, and so we'll we'll use those for the uh, for the fall plantings. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's been a, a fairly quiet week on the farm, which has been nice. Getting ready for school to start back up again. Yeah, which means the alarm clock's going to have to go off earlier, which I'm not really looking forward to. I know. That's the one thing I've never done well, is get up early. <laughs> no, never. I remember, and it's funny because I've never been a particularly early riser. Like, I don't get up crazy early at, like, 5. I'm not one of those people. But I can't sleep past... Like nine is sleeping late for me. Yeah. Usually, I'm I'm up around eight, and that was one of the first real adjustments. Speaking of our anniversary, mm. a couple days ago, like that was one of the first real <laughs> adjustments when we got married. Was you know Saturday morning would come, and eight o'clock, and bing, my eyes are open, and I'm like I'm ready to face the world, and let's go get stuff done. I look over, and here's Missy sleeping. I'm like, all right, well I'm not gonna wake her up. I'm going to go read for a little bit. I'll go read for a little bit and hang out and watch TV with the kids. And 9.30 comes along. I'm going to go in and just see if she's awake. And I go in. Of course, she's not awake. Well, I'm not going to wake her up. It'll make me make a little bit more noise as I'm walking out of the bedroom as I did than I did the first time around. (laughs) 10.15, 10.30 comes along. I'm like, go back in. Normally about 11 o'clock, I'd be like, hey, are you going to get up? And you'd be like, why are you waking me up? I'll get up when I wake up. Right? Yep. I remember those conversations. That was my weekend. I love to sleep late on the weekends. I was like, mmm, sleeping. My favorite thing to do on the weekends. I never got to do it on the weekdays. We had to get up real early because, right. you know, sometimes we had to take, when I first, when I was living in New Jersey, we'd have to worry about t- public transportation, getting everybody to where they needed to go school-wise before I got to work. So we were up early. Yeah. So, yeah. I believe when we first got married, we was public transportation for you. Yep. To and from yeah. work. So Monday to Friday, I was already up early. Saturday and Sunday, do not wake me up. <laughs> I'm not very nice. Now, I don't sleep that late now. No, you don't. You can't. Because uh-uh. we got stuff to do. Okay. Like, you know, the goats aren't going to wait forever no, to get milk. They already get impatient when I, they wait an extra hour on Saturday and Sunday. Cause <laughs> I, I get out there, bah! already yelling at me. I'm like, all right, girls. But they're good. They come out to the stand in order everybody knows what order they need to be in now and they're all behaved and so speaking good of manners speaking of the goats you know uh so we've talked about some of the stuff that we've made with with the goat's milk because mm-hmm. we have a lot of it uh and so there's cheese the uh half hour mozzarella and the ricotta salada and the ricotta um and the goat's milk soap that is still curing for about another week and a half or so yeah, till mid- uh, mid-august good news about the goat's milk soap real quick i know we had talked about thinking maybe we had screwed it up and there was this film on it but no we didn't screw it up no it's just a cosmetic thing okay so we're fine we can just wipe it off and it's perfectly good to use okay since we made it next time we'll put a little thin towel on it so it doesn't uh because we, we with the milk in it you don't want it to be too warm because it can burn uh-huh. but you want it to cool down a little bit slower so it doesn't get that thing on it so then we'll just put a little towel on it next time got it okay like a tea towel but i saw somebody had said something to me i'm trying to remember where it was if it was on facebook or twitter i don't think it was in an email 
there is a place in Ohio that they love to go to and get goat's milk fudge. Oh, yeah. I've thought about making that and uh, the stuff called, uh, what did I say? It was called Cayeta. Cayeta. It's like a goat's milk caramel sauce. Oh. Yeah, I tried to make it once and I totally forgot about it and it burnt the crud out of the bottom <laughs> of one of my pots. It took me like a week to clean this off of the bottom of a pot. So I think this time around if I use a slow cooker with the top off... I might have better luck because okay. it's going to take a long time to... It's supposed to be just milk until you cook it until it caramelizes, basically. Okay. But because of all the fat in, in the goat's, goat's milk, milk yeah. it makes a really creamy caramel sauce. So nice. So goat's milk fudge too. would probably Probably also. Really well. Yep. I'll have to look up how to make that. All right. We have not made our hot, uh, our hot uh, pepper sauce yet. That's no. still on the... Figurative back burner hasn't yeah. been put on the figurative and literal front burner yet. But it's uh, been too hot outside to be able to make it to open up the windows. And right. We don't really have any exhaust fans in the kitchen, and some of those peppers are really wicked hot. So I'm yeah. not doing it if I can't open up the windows. No, I get it. It's supposed to be like mid 80s one day this week, but then it's been fairly steady, like you know, 90 degrees. Every now and then we'll get an afternoon rain shower, hot like 20 humid. minutes. But yeah, hot and humid. Hot and humid, just like your typical. Virginia summer. Yeah, it's like trying to breathe water some days, and I'm already missing a lobe. Like, like I'm walking out back and forth in the morning from water in the goes. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. wow, now I know why people move no, the, to Arizona. It, it, right, exactly. I mean, like, the air is heavy, it's, and I've had that thought, yeah, too, like in the morning. Thick. Of like, Right, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost like you take a slice out of it. Yes. Right? So you're like, yeah, I can understand why people would move to Arizona or go to Colorado or yeah, go someplace where... It's so hard to breathe some mornings. So, yeah. Like, okay. I, could, I It's ready. For, I'm ready for fall. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye, summer. Woo-hoo. Goodbye, summer in Virginia. Oh, it'll be here before you know it. Nah, and summer won't be gone for a while yet anyway, so... No, I mean, it's early August. we got at least two months. It's usually... Early October, before any kind of summer comes to break. Technically, it's summer. We know it's September the twentieth, but right. Weather-wise, climate-wise, yeah, it doesn't start to really cool off until then. So, (laughs) but that's good. We still have tomatoes. Exactly. So I've noticed on several occasions that you have been merrily knitting away. What is your latest project? I've been knitting chemo caps, and so I put a couple of them on my Etsy page. And I actually made one, and I finished it at my last appointment. And there were two ladies, obviously, going through chemo, obviously, Mm -hmm. because it's the cancer center. Right. Um, uh, Had headscarves on, all bald as whatever. And I said, would you like a hat? And they first said no, and I was like, well, I'm actually making them just to give away. And, oh, yeah, they totally took one then. So <laughs> um, so I put three up on my Etsy store. So Okay, I've cool. I've just been making up patterns. So you don't have to be bald to wear these caps. These would be no, good no, they're hats. Caps as well, but, but it's a tight-fitting, fine-gauged um, beanie, skull cap kind of hat. Yeah. I mean, it's made pretty much for people with short or no hair. Okay. Because there's just not a lot of real, you know, there's, if you had hair, the hat probably would fit a little bit smaller on your head. Okay. Um, but I'm specifically making them to fit that glass head that the, I use as my model because that's like an average human head about 21 inches around is normal. Okay. So, yeah. But... Just, you know, more a beanie. So if you have very short hair, it would probably work. Um, if you had big, thick, curly, long hair, this is not going to be the hat for you. But if you're bald and going through chemo or you have hair coming in or it's really, really short, um, then it would work. Okay. But they're a super wash merino, real fine, like I said, because I like 
Um, when I was when I first lost my hair, my skull was super sensitive because yeah. it was so protected by hair all the time. Right. That everything and even some of the bigger gauged yarns just seemed so big and itchy on Crunchy. my head. And so I wanted something that was more like a, a, a sock for my head. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what this is. This is like using sock weight sort of yarn. Okay. So it's got a fine gauge, So, but it's nice and stretchy. So it's thin, but it'll still keep your bald head warm. I can, You know, it's funny. I can actually emulate with you or, or, or uh, empathize with empathize. you on that. Yeah. Because um, I remember when I first started losing my hair and I got mad and I said, I'm just going to shave it all off. And I did. Even back then, I wore ball caps, and I remember the first time I put a ball cap on after I shaved my head for the first like razor shaved it for the yeah. first time, and it's like what the hell, you know? Oh my gosh, it was so scratchy. Yeah. I could not. I mean, your your head is really really, really sens- sensitive when, when you, you yeah when you, you go know. from having a lot of hair to nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what this this is this is that's the market. Okay, those look people. All right, so Corny Goat Crafts, uh, yep. right on Etsy. Yep. You can find that. Uh, you're not doing any requests or anything yet. You're just putting stuff up when you Using when you up finish. my stash. <laughs> so You have a lot still, by the way. So all of the yarn bombs that were used in the giving out and the in the shipping. You don't of, talk about a woman's yarn stash like you don't talk about a woman's weight. Oh, no? Nope. Really? Nope. I've never How many baseball before. hats do I own? I have a lot. <laughs> baseball hats that I've accumulated over, you know, 20... Two years or so. Well, my yarn thing's only been probably 19, so. Do you have yarn that's 19 years old, do you think? Probably. Really? I probably have some stuff left over from Blanket when I made for uh, Kid Kid 3, and that's when I started picking up knitting again. You think so? You think you still have yarn left over from that? I know I have yarn left over from making something for Kid uh, 5 that for when she was 4, so that's 10 years. Okay. Well, that that may not surprise me. But yeah, I probably do. I'll look. Wow. I'm pretty sure I have something. All right. So you don't need any yarn anytime soon then at least? No. Okay. That should be your your uh, DIY show. Call it Yarn Stash. <laughs> How to use up your yarn. And like what you do is, yeah, you go around to people and they show you their yarn stash and you recommend projects for their yarn stash. Mm. Well, like I saw a, a lot of the, um, some of the yarn my mom had given me, I went ahead and used up into all of those octopus hats and horse hat right. and the um, shark socks mm-hmm. and all those things. And I, so a lot of the stuff I had left wasn't enough. It was like little balls of things. So okay. I made great packing material and I wasn't wasting food by using popcorn, which was somebody had said to me, why didn't you use popcorn? I'm like, well, that's why. Because, right. you know, I, you know, what else am I going to do with this stuff? So. It went to a. It went for a good cause. And and if and the next time you need to ship something, you just use that yarn to protect it as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just you just know, save it, it. Keep it. Keep reusing it. The other good. The other thing I was thinking was I was even though I put everybody's bottle of hot sauce in a heavy duty plastic Ziploc bag, if it had broken and maybe broken through the plastic, at least the yarn would have absorbed the liquid. Right. So it wouldn't have been. No, as, that's smart. Yeah. So yeah. There's something. As opposed to, I mean, popcorn, I guess, would have too, but not as much. No, I don't think as much as the yarn would. Uh, no. So, so the uh, other big news since we last recorded a podcast is the fact that uh, I am back on the air every day talking about the uh, latest segment of news and information. Yeah. Uh, Bearing Arms is Cam and Company is the name of the program. Uh, easiest place to find us right now is on YouTube. If you subscribe to Town Hall Media, you'll get 
I don't really know how that works, but I think you get notified anyway that there's a uh, a new episode each and every day, or you can visit BarryAndArms.com. Try to get the uh, show up by 1 o'clock or so Eastern. Uh, usually it's between 1 and 2 p.m., but you can find it uh, every afternoon. We've been doing some uh, interviews every day, Armed Citizen Stories. And, of course, a look at the latest segment of news and information. There's a lot to talk about this coming week, mm-hmm. uh, but we won't do that here. No. But I uh, did want to let you know that, uh, that that we're back, and I appreciate uh, all of the uh, the kind words and the support and uh, and the folks who've been watching. Actually, speaking of the uh, new show, um, we'll get to some emails here. Brian out in California says, uh, Two requests. For the new Cam and Company. Love the show, he says. Great to have you back on the air. One, can you put the date uh, into the video titles? YouTube seems to sort them strangely. Uh, yeah, I'll see what I can do about that, uh, Brian. Also, uh, two, any chance of a podcast version? I'd say there's a 100% chance of a podcast version. In fact, um, it should be uh, going up into iTunes here very, very shortly. Uh, and so once it's in iTunes, generally a lot of the other podcast RSS feeds or the podcast uh, sites just use the iTunes to populate their own uh, podcast playlist, which so it starts showing up in you know, Stitcher and other places, hopefully uh, at some point this week. Okay, because a lot of people don't do iTunes. No, I know. Uh, you get it through, you know, Omni or Stitcher or whatever. Okay. But uh, but okay. yeah, once it's once it's there at iTunes, it should show up uh, almost everywhere else. Um, Brian also says uh, a couple of other things here. Your hot sauce is fantastic. It really is. I mean, thank you. It, but thank you. Uh, Brian's birthday is getting ready to come up. He says uh, I'm turning 45 this year. If I remember <laughs> right, you and I are very close in age. Uh, just a couple of weeks apart there, Brian. Yeah, you just turned 45. Right? Um, and he says, uh, 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 two podcasts in a row now. You've asked a question along the lines of, how does someone decide to live in a restrictive state, in a, in a, in a nanny state? Um, he says, I recently received a very good job offer that had me seriously thinking about moving out of Compton, California and going to Dallas. He said, much to our surprise, we decided to stay. And here's why. Among the reasons... He says, A, when we decide to retire, if we sell a house in California, we'll be able to buy a house basically anywhere in a free state. But if we leave California, the same may not apply when we decide to retire. Assuming the state is still solvent, when we retire, our little patch of land will be quite a resource. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. And depending on, you know, generally speaking, how close you are to retirement age, that that, that becomes more of a, yeah. uh, totally a, a concern. Yeah. B, he says, we have family in California and Southern Utah. Right now, we can visit almost anyone in our family, including our two retired parents, within a few hours' drive. In Dallas, can't even get out of Texas in a few hours' drive. Visiting my mom would be almost a full day on the road. Her dad would be even further away. Mm-hmm. He also says, uh, our industry. My wife and I are both in the same uh, engineering aerospace industry. He says, within a half hour of our home, we can work for any couple of dozen companies in that industry, from the majors to countless subprime companies that do work for the primes. He says there are other aerospace hotspots in the nation, but very few with this kind of density and options for employers. Uh, he says, to D, when people say another state is cheaper than California, it usually means that a new house is much less expensive. But if you own a home in an affordable part of California like Compton or your house is paid off already, a lot of that savings vanishes. He says, uh, well, there are exceptions. People generally make more money in the very large cities than they would elsewhere. Uh, while it's easy to also spend more money if one's careful, that extra money becomes a further retirement resource. Mm. And it says, in the end, the main reasons to move were guns and plastic straws. The government here is stupid and taxes are too high. 
He says, but there are more important things in life than firearms, much as I hate to admit it. Uh, and G, he says, running from all evil does not defeat it. <laughs> uh, and uh, Brian has a, uh, you know, we have our sign off. Yeah. Brian has one as well. He says, live a little, learn a lot, and remember, the stripper doesn't love you. <laughs> <laughs> No, she just wants your dollars. <laughs> right. So thank you for the email, Brian. Yes, uh, we you. might have to have a, a conversation about, uh, you know, the importance of, I wouldn't say the importance of firearms, but I would say the importance of uh, of individual liberty. But you're right, of the things that that, that maybe uh, are at least as important, uh, you do have to consider family. And you also have to be able to, it seems like to me, think about, the short term versus the long term. Like you've got a plan to get out of California. You don't plan on living there forever. It's just what's the best way for you to do it. Uh, and it may be, you know, retirement for you as opposed to right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, Dana writing in saying uh, can't or is, uh, he's glad to uh, see me back on the air talking Second Amendment stuff. He's been with you since almost the beginning. Uh, Matt in Colorado says, Marsha and I are looking forward to seeing you at the ATF party. Uh, yes, I am looking forward to that as well. That's going to be August 20, hang on here, 24th in uh, Denver, Colorado. The Independence Institute is putting on the annual alcohol, tobacco, and firearms party. Uh, so it's sporting clays in the morning, and then you smoke a cigar and you uh, have a cocktail or two in the afternoon. And there are some speakers who talk for a few minutes. I'm not going to go on for like an hour or anything, but, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And, uh, and it's a great afternoon that uh, raises money for a great organization, the Independence Institute, fighting for freedom out there in Colorado. So I will see you in uh, just a few weeks. Uh, let's see, John writing in as well. Family reunions, smoked pork, and a mouthful of Mizzy's fermented pepper sauce. Uh-uh. He says, so it's been a couple of years since I wrote. Last I communicated, my bride and I were married in the garden of our acreage. We just celebrated three years and all is well. Congratulations. Congratulations, John. He says, we haven't stopped listening and are inspired by the strength of you two. We wish nothing but the best this world has to offer for you. Oh, well, thank, thank you. thank you for that. And, uh, and, and write more than every couple of years. <laughs> we don't mind. That's fine. Funny story time, says John. Today we hosted a mini family reunion for my aging parents. Present among my siblings, nieces, and nephews, including a crapload of guests, was my nephew, Kurt. Kurt is also a faithful listener. Uh, he and I, isn't that cool? We've yeah. got listeners in the family. Right? That's me. Uh, hi, Kurt. Uh, <coughs> anyway, uh, uh, Kurt and I, <coughs> says uh, John, uh, Kurt and I took on the task of smoking the pork for the meal. He says, I wish I could, I, I wish I could send you some. His recipe is awesome. Well, if you can't send us the pork, you can send us the recipe. Mm-hmm. Right? 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can always send us the recipe. He says, um, as I was waiting in line to fill my plate, he pointed out the bottle of Miss E's fermented pepper sauce. I was elated, Yeah. he says. It was like you paid us a special visit. I bypassed <laughs> the line. I had to have a taste, like right now. <laughs> I unscrewed the cap. I tilted my head back and waited for my first drop to graze my open mouth. And nothing. I immediately assumed that this is one of those little restrictive caps like you find in other bottles of hot sauce. So I gave her a little shake. Nope, no cap. Just a congregation of garlic bits clogging the doorway like Minnesota Norwegians after Sunday mass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once the shake broke the jam like whispers of donuts in the fellowship hall, everything came flooding and I found myself with a mouthful of Missy's fermented pepper sauce. Oof, that's hot. First impressions. Holy mmm. <laughs> 
what did I just do and did anyone see it? Beyond the initial embarrassment, I actually had a moment to experience the full flavor. Now that is tasty stuff, says John. Needless to say, no sauce was wasted, and I went back for more. Oh my goodness. He says, I applied it to my pulled pork sandwich this time, and while I ate, I listened to Kurt tell me about how it came in a ginormous box filled with knitting trimming. <laughs> Anyway, says John, I hope you enjoyed my awkward uh, review of the pepper sauce, and I hope you both are blessed beyond your imagination. Uh, keep up the fight. You give hope to us all, says John, in Elk River, Minnesota. Thank you, John. That's funny. Right? I'm looking back at the emails. I'm like, ah, okay. Wait, who did I? Really? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I sent a lot out. I, I lost count. <laughs> now, um, last time that we were uh, on the air... And I was going through some emails. I accidentally read an email from Chris. Yeah, the two times. <laughs> it was like a year and a half old, right? right. And I asked uh, Chris, well, you catch us up on some of this stuff. So he uh, he did, actually. Chris wrote back in and said, uh, oh, boy, you're in that old email. He said, uh, lots of emotions came out after that. Uh, he says, lots happened since now and then. I'll fill in that information when I hear the results of the test this week. Uh, he says, cannot stay here in Massachusetts. I value personal freedom far too much, and I'm tired of fighting when the only real progress is holding the line, but never really advancing. He says, uh, we were looking for land in New Hampshire as a sort of compromise. Uh, he says, as far as the racers versus shooters and who's nicer, he said, uh, I think it's dead even. He said, well, nobody will let a stranger drive their car. Yeah, there are ride-alongs. <laughs> he says, I race sport cars, vintage and eventually new. My dad had come out to watch me race, and there's a team there running two real GT40s. Not mm-hmm. fakes, not road-going cars, and race cars later in life, but honestly got cars that were raced since the 60s. And he says it was pretty typical after a race for drivers to take the corner workers on hot laps. So I talked to a few people in a race for my dad to be taken out. I brought him over to see one of them. He was in awe of the car. And he said, uh, what I wouldn't give to be able to go for a ride in this. And the owner says to him, why don't you get in the passenger seat and see what happens? And he very carefully climbs in. I go over and tell him that he's going for a ride. He had no idea what to say. I showed him how to belt in, and away he went. And when he got back, he was crying. In my helmet, of all things. He had to fight to say the words, thank you. I don't know how many millions that car was worth, but I bet more than a few. Well, that is an incredible story, Chris. And you know what? I think that you're right. I think that you have proved that this is, uh, when it comes to the kindness of racers and shooters, uh, dead even. And frankly, in a lot of cases, we're probably talking about a lot of overlap in yeah. those two groups. <laughs> Pretty sure. Uh, you know, the the folks at the Bristol Motor Speedway right. uh, have been nice enough to let me uh, drive the pace car uh, there and have actually reached out. We haven't been able to, to make it happen yet, but we've talked about Ms. E being able to drive the pace car there. Yeehaw! Right? So <laughs> we're going to make that happen at some point uh, in the near future. But uh and that's something that they... So actually, I guess they do sometimes let you drive the car. And if not, they let you get in the passenger yeah, seat, right? exactly. Next best thing. So Chris says, I'm obviously caught up, and I'm writing a novel to send to you to catch up on all of the things that have happened in my little world. Until then, uh, I'll expect to hear good news from Miss E. Cam, happy birthday and happy anniversary to the both of you. Chris, thank you very much, sir. We, uh, I, I look forward to your novel. Yeah, thank and you. I hope that you are doing well. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, prayers for a good test result for you. So that is going to do it for this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here. It's trying to get a little hot and steamy in the old studio that's powered by a really loud air conditioner that we have to turn off when it's time to do a podcast. Yes. So, Oh, or I know I'm, I'm complaining like a little snowflake there about First uh, world warm, problems. But, but it is a little warm. It is a little warm. So we're going to uh, go warm the planet instead. 
Uh, you have yourself a fantastic week until we talk again. Uh, again, for your latest Second Amendment news and information, you can uh, check out BarryAndArms.com and Barry and Arms Cam and Company daily on YouTube and soon daily wherever you find your finest podcasts as well. And until we talk again here on 40 Acres and the Fool, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And make stuff. I'll talk to you soon. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.